Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Han Schneck. Boy, I'm looking forward to this conversation. This is a gentleman who I've had on the show a couple of times before. We've had some interesting conversations on the air. We've had even more interesting conversations off the air. So uh, he's got a new book coming out, which we're here principally to talk about. But uh, uh, let's get to it. We're joined this morning by Bruce Newman. He's an author of several books and a professor of marketing at DePaul University. Bruce, welcome back. Oh, good morning, Todd. Great to be back. Well, it was good to spend time with you. I appreciate uh, your continued interest in the show and being a part of it. I'm excited to talk about this new book. But before we go there, Bruce, uh, just quickly remind the audience a bit about you and the background and the work that you're out there doing. Well, I am a professor of marketing at DePaul University since 1980, and my degrees are BS, MBA, PhD, all in marketing, but... I have a very keen interest in politics, so a great deal of the work I've done over the years has applied marketing to politics. I had a very exciting uh, short period of time in 95 and 96 working with the Clinton White House uh, in a field and discipline that we call political marketing. Having said that, over the years I've noticed that there are a lot of similarities between politics and corporations and between the environmentalists and the activists. And the work I'm doing now is a broader swath of thinking about how can we create a general theme in marketing that connects very disparate disciplines and fields of study so that the average person reading our new book entitled Brand can understand how companies in the corporate world and political organizations and climate change activists all can take the book and use it for the very same purpose, which is to develop a strategy, a marketing strategy. So that's that's where I've evolved. And this latest book is with my son, Todd Newman, who is a uh, climate change expert and working in the communication of climate change. So, And he is at Stony Brook University right now. So we kind of uh, created a book together that merges our two different areas of expertise into this really neat, innovative book called Brand. Well, Brand is the book, uh, and uh, (laughs) people knew about our conversations. There's 300 directions this conversation could go on the subject. Uh, You sort of touched on it there in your preview, but let me ask the question that – it's about brand and about branding. I mean, it's one of those things where if you say, oh, wait a minute, I, need, I think someone told me I need to get better at my brand or strengthen my brand or whatever the case may be, they go to Amazon, they search brand, and they find 5 million books on any kind of different disparate thought, idea, strategy behind branding. Even there's plenty of books out there about the modern world, which, you know, is all these digital tools and this new information age. I mean, so why... Explain again why we needed this version of a story around brand. Why, why is your book necessary despite all that other material that's out there? It's an innovative leap, Todd, in a direction that ties together 
what we have identified as six different entities, which are the six major chapters in the book, which go from the more traditional and established areas of the branding of products, services, people, in organizations to the less traditional and I would say more complex branding challenges that come with trying to brand a complex idea like climate change or even trying to brand a nation as we all watch the Olympics this week. We're witnessing uh, in the real world countries trying to brand themselves in a positive light, trying to look good. So so our book is innovative in the sense that no one before has pulled together the strategic implications to the best practices that cross over from the branding of these six different entities, and it allows the general reader to get a sense of what are the challenges for companies and in different uh, organizations, nonprofit, political, activists, and climate change, the Coca-Cola company. We have lots of examples and stories in the book that would make for a very interesting reading for someone who wants to get a collective sense of exactly what the term brand means. Well, go a little deeper on this idea of all these across all these different entities. Now, everyone listening has probably read dozens and dozens of books that talk about Nike, that talk about Apple, that talk about these internationally known, quote, brands, and, you know, what, what those brands mean and the emotional impact that they have on you, and that's why it's a strong brand, yada, 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 all that. But I, I think where you're going with this, in part, is virtually everything out there, from certainly an organization like Nike or Apple, but a nonprofit, as you said, or more interestingly, where I think a lot of people don't realize that there's a brand behind it, are ideas. And, and you know, we've talked a lot about uh, political marketing, you and I, over the years, and there's, br- there's brands all over that in terms of politics and how elections are won or lost. Go a little deeper on these different entities and why that's so important to really get that through your head. So, so what we do, Todd, is we put forward what we call a strategic brand focus. It's a model. Imagine, if you would, a triangle, and the model consists of three different parts, what we call the three C's, customer, channel, and competition. And we're making the point in the book that with the evolution of technology and the use of social media, it's become very complicated for any organization or any person or any nation for that matter to control their brand because there is a constant flow of exchange of information between people between different parties and one must have a good sense of the strategic implication of how it is i as an organization or a person how i have to be engaged with my audience or my customer understand who they are you know, take the the world of politics. It's so complicated as one thinks of getting uh, getting elected into office. Think of Donald Trump, and think of the definition of his brand, the Trump brand, and the different meanings it has to so many different people. How does how does one control the way in which people think about Donald Trump? And so one must have an understanding of the use of big data 
and and micro targeting it's so easy now for anyone any organization to to specify a message to a particular person and there there is this co-creation that exists this brand community in the world that is affecting everything if we go back 150 years very few things were branded <laughs> as you very well put come to today everything is branded these days because it's a very it's a very polluted environment with lots of information we don't know uh, what's real what's fake so to cut through all the noise there has to be some strategic focus to allow a a sender of information be it a corporation or a political party there must be some way for them to get their point across and and that's the role of brand well i just think it's important to really emphasize here that every virtually every element that you observe in life is has a brand behind it i mean and i'm just emphasizing what you've already said I and mean, you mentioned earlier that as we record this the uh the uh, 2018 Winter Olympics are, are ongoing, and, and there's just been this very interesting dynamic on, in terms of North Korea and, and some of the things that they've done. And, and there's just been, we ha- there's this, North Korea has a brand, certainly in the American marketplace, where they seem to be this totalitarian regime, and, and there's prison camps, and, and people are starving to death, and they're cut off from the, from the outside world. It's just, and, you know, political enemies are, are killed. I mean, it's just this, this awful story. And then they come to the, to the Olympics, and, and they have this charm offensive. His, his attractive sister comes and smiles and gives the side eye to Pence. There's, mm-hmm. there's the, the, you know, the, 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 the cheer section that, that does all their cheering in unison. And, and frankly, depending on what side you're on politically or philosophically, you think, wow, what an amazing, successful charm offensive this is. And are they really just trying to rebrand themselves, or is this all part of this dark, mysterious propaganda effort, depending on what side you're on? But that's that's kind of what we're talking about here. This is this is all about all that that entire discussion is around branding, right? It, it is, and what's very complicating about North Korea is that very few people know what's going on there. We have stories that leak out about the assassination of the leader's uncle and we have seen with our very own eyes in this country the young man who came back in a, in a semi state of consciousness only to die a few waiters after he returned from a prison camp in North Korea so so the reality is that the brand of North Korea is is changing and evolving on a moment to moment day to day week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year basis. That's the whole point. That of, is the whole the point, and it's, and it's so fascinating, though. And, and, you know, so it's one thing to talk about branding from the context of international or geopolitical ramifications, but then you can look at it in the entirely different direction, but still proving the point that everything has a brand. Now, I don't mean to bring, bring up such a sad story on your interview here, Bruce, but uh, as we record this, uh, just uh, yesterday we lost one of my dogs, and and this dog, Lily, uh, was grew up and lived her life with us in the Facebook era, if you catch my meaning. Mm-hmm. She's one of those dogs that had her own Facebook page, one of those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And it was a big part of, of our uh, digital social narrative, telling the story mm-hmm. of, of us and our dogs. And so when we announced her passing yesterday, I mean, the, the response online was overwhelming. Now, it was full of people mm-hmm. saying, oh, geez. 
sorry for your loss and we're thinking of you. I mean, you, all that kind of expected communication. But what really struck me was the emotions that some people felt. A lot of people said that, that made him cry. A lot of people said, I'm going to miss seeing all of your posts, all of her mm. posts. Uh, I feel like I knew her. I never met the dog. And it made me realize as I was kind of thinking, and I'm obviously still very emotional thinking about her loss, mm-hmm. but then in, in preparing myself and thinking about our conversation around branding, I thought, you know what, just realized we kind of built a brand for her. And 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 I mean, so it, 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 I guess I tell that story only just to prove the point that, yeah, even a dog can have, mm-hmm. have its own brand. So the point being everything out there if if you want people to be moved by something or to be inspired by an idea or to take some sort of an action not that i'm talking about corporate branding and business and all that you, you have to you got to think about the brand of the thing right and we're going to get into strategy in a minute because i think the reason most branding efforts fail is because there's no strategy behind it right but, i mean everything out there even you personally have a brand Yes, I mean, and I we talk about uh, a very interesting case. In fact, I think maybe the the case of uh, the chapter on person branding has resonance for just about any person who's engaged in any profession. Every one of us has to brand ourselves, and one has to be careful on how you engage in that branding exercise. And we have some wonderful stories and case studies of people, but one of the neatest ones is the case of Peter Marino who's a architect in New York, and one of the reasons we put him into the book is we saw him on a 60-minute segment. And when the segment started, you looked at what looked like a biker with, with all the gear of a biker <laughs> from, from the metal and the leather and the tattoos and the muscles. And all of a sudden, this man started talking, and he was an extremely intelligent person, but he had developed a very unique personal brand for himself and he stood out from the competition and very successful architect in new york uh, had built and designed uh, designed rather many many different buildings in the city so we're talking about this whole area that's called user generated branding and and this is what you were referring to before about your the brand of your dog the notion that people help to define whatever brand it is that you want to talk about. And the exchange of information and emotion between you and all of your friends that responded about your dog's passing, that that reinforces the brand of your dog. That also reinforces your brand. It also reinforces the brand of each of these people you're communicating with. And think about it, all of the social media interactions going on on a moment-to-moment, day-to-day basis in the world today, that is having a direct impact on the definition of each of us to all the people that we interact with. So the big deal is this, how do we control our brand? It's easier for a corporation It's easier for a corporation to define Coca-Cola in that brand, but it's more difficult for Coca-Cola to redefine that, uh, for Coca-Cola to redefine the brand of Coke. You know, think back to the, we talk about this in the book, the point in time when they came out with new Coke, a, a complete disaster. But yet, think of the juxtaposition of a political party, and how does one define a political party, and can you redefine the brand? of a political party in a matter of 
years, unlike the case of Coca-Cola, which would be tough to change, you can. In fact, the Republican Party uh, has been rebranded by Donald Trump. In fact, Donald Trump has become more important than the Republican brand. And this is a very interesting discussion we have in the book about the, the strategy of emphasizing a portfolio of brands within an organization as opposed to the corporate brand. And that's the movement taking place today in the business world. More corporations are very sensitive about their corporate brand, so they distance themselves from the individual brands that they sell. Mm. Fascinating stuff. I mean, we, I, as I often find myself with you, Bruce, uh, I have 300 directions I want to take the conversation. But uh, the key <laughs> thing you just said there, which is applicable to, to any entity that we've been talking about here, personal or nonprofit or dog or, or certainly a country or an organization, is this user-generated branding. See, I, I still think there's too many people that say, well, hey, if I redo my logo and put up a really cool motivational poster over the front desk of the receptionist, that changes the brand of our organization instantly. Well, no, it doesn't. Uh, the brand is is made up from the, those that consume it and experience it and live it. Right. And and I think that's where most people seem still. I think I'm stunned at how many people think a simple rebranding effort, a new logo, new color palette <laughs> for the corporate materials is is impacting the brand. Yeah, I guess it is impacting the brand, but it's not the brand. Fascinating stuff. All right, we have much to talk about after the break. So Bruce Newman and I will return after this quick break. We'll be right back. In today's workplace, business leaders face significant pressure to recruit and retain the best employees, to effectively build a team, to create a culture that is healthy, productive, and dynamic, and to empower their staff in managing stress and finding balance. And behind all those pressures is one goal, to strengthen and grow the business. And too many organizations struggle with this. Unlimited Coaching Solutions provides customized strategies and training to help reach your goals and take your teams to the next level. Call them today at 585-248-9322 or find them online at unlimitedcoaching.com. All right, I am back with Bruce Newman, professor of marketing at DePaul University and the author, co-author, I should say, of a new book called Brand. So, Bruce, right before the break, you brought up... Uh, social media. And you know, when you think about how to deliver your brand, how to rebrand, how to do all these things, you, you have to think about and you have to honor and respect and deal with you know, not only social media, but all these different information channels and the lightning speed at which it moves around the globe and, and all the voices that now have influence to, to have and have an ability to impact your brand. I mean, I don't even know where to start and how to ask the best question, but dive in and help us understand how we integrate and utilize and deal with all of this information and all these tools. Well, it depends on whether you're talking about a more simple, basic brand of a product uh, or a service like Coca-Cola, or you're talking about a more complicated idea like climate change. I mean, just think for a minute about all of the different organizations, actors, activists, who are engaged on one side or the other of the role of climate change in the world today. And how do the organizations, you know, 350.org and Sierra Club, as well as politicians and nations, 
all of whom are trying to make the case that there either is or isn't climate change going on. How does one begin to to brand this area? And I would say the book really puts forward, uh, and it's one of our chapters that is uh, focused on complex ideas and really gets into the uh, issue of climate change and genetically modified foods. How does one begin to think about getting the message across about this area? And up, to, up until now, I think the focus was, let's educate people. Let's try to get people to understand what is climate change, this area of user-generated branding, when people can wake up in the middle of winter in Chicago and have it be zero degrees one weekend and 45 degrees the next week, as it's happening in Chicago mm-hmm. as we speak. You know, how, how does one begin to to coalesce the thinking of people on either side of the equation who argue for and against climate change. And I think this is a very innovative area that is, is, is I think, going to get a nice kickstart from our book, and that is to refocus this notion of framing, the framing of an idea like climate change, and moving it forward to a marketing platform where we're not just talking about attitudes, And we're not just talking about education, but we're talking about behavior change. That's the big leap in logic that we're making. And that's the strength of of a brand, and that's the importance of using the, the construct of a brand and understanding it, because that is how one brings about behavior change. It is it is solidifying the thinking and the actions of all these different people who are in in the debate on climate change into into a concrete strategy that has a real good what we call strategic brand focus. Well, we're going to get into strategic brand focus because I think that's a really really important. But one final thought: I mean, you just mentioned all these different elements that go into a quote branding process. I mean, another constituent you have to think about are those out there. Some people would probably define it as, say, fake news. But what what's the purpose of fake news? It's one thing. It's either to prop up a, quote, brand, or it's to drive up the negatives of a brand. I mean, that's all that's really trying to do, right? But you have to think that, about that's that. That's exactly. I mean, the, the whole notion of fake news, uh, one would have to argue today, has been put forward by Donald Trump. And... What we find in the, and we do, we have an exhaustive review of the literature in a simple way for people to understand. So what's the thinking of the academic world on what works and what doesn't work when it comes to the branding of all these different entities? What we have uh, found across many different disciplines, whether it's communication or advertising or marketing or sociology or anthropology, is that consistency is critical. It's, it's, it's critical that you be consistent. And what Donald Trump is doing, quite frankly, right now, which I think is a very clever brand strategy for him, is to continue to harp on this notion of fake news. And what he's done, I think, strategically, is to redefine his competition's brand. His competition no longer is the Democratic Party. His competition is the media. And by defining the news as fake, who's going to deny it if people look to the media for the truth, and yet you have the President of the United States saying that what they, what they articulate is fake, who do you believe? So, so the, the brand ultimately rests on the notion of, 
a message that is consistently put out over time, reinforced, and digested by the audience, and then you have the interaction, the back and forth, which is where the new technology comes into play, social media. It's this back and forth because in the, in the model of communication between sender and receiver, it's that feedback loop that reinforces the communication, and that's what's happening today. And, and that is how one goes about defining what is fake news. It's something that is, is articulated on a almost daily basis by our president. So let's think about all the components that, I don't know if components are the right word, but all the f- players in, in our media world. So the president, right? So you got Congress, you have the Beltway, so the whole Washington bureaucracy. You have mm-hmm. mainstream media, so the Washington Post and the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, and then the evening news shows and all, you know, then the news channels, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, all these, all the media news elements. Then you have Hollywood and all that that implies. And, and then now you even have. You know, the, some big players in this conversation are the Facebooks and the Googles and 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 Amazon and all these. So, but I think if you were to look at and you were look at the approval ratings of most of those, they're 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 all negative. There's a there's a negative impression on virtually every one of those elements right now. So let me ask you this question: With that as a foundation. Does a branding process? I mean, is, it, is there any, is there anything that we can do? I mean, you, I mean, is is branding is that is it because of that scenario of everything being looked upon negatively? Does branding even matter, or does that make it even more important than ever? It makes it more important than ever to understand the role of brand for any organization, especially these days, a media organization. It's imperative that they understand. Uh, who they're dealing with, you know, back to the three C's that come from the strategic brand focus. They have to understand their customer. Who is their customer? Their customer uh, includes all the people that listen to them all the time. At the same time, they have to think about not just the channels that you well articulated that are being used to get the message across in different media outlets, but who's the competition? (laughs) And who is trying to combat what is what is positive and what is negative and ultimately i think todd the only job that the media can do to survive in this very very tough world for any any media organization today is work on reinforcing the brand of their specific organization who they are what they represent what is their history? Have they been in existence for one year, 10 years, or 100 years? It makes a difference. See, I, if I were advising a media outlet, that would be the kind of strategy that I would stress. Let, let's let people know that you're not just an upstart uh, on the Internet, that uh, a website that popped up uh, a week or two weeks ago or a month ago, but you're an organization that's been in business for, for close to 100 years, established over time, tested, retested. So it's a very complicated world in terms of information. The information uh, outlets uh, are creating so much noise and what you refer to as fake versus real, negative versus positive. This isn't anything new because we've had this going back a hundred years in this country, all over the world. What's new is how easy it is to alter that on a day-to-day basis. 
And, and that's where brand comes into play. How do I avoid that ebb and flow that happens moment to moment, day to day, and cut through it with something that keeps people focused on what the real story is about my organization or my own personal professional success, and that is, that is your brand. All right, so let me ask you a strategic branding question. So let's let's look at two news entities. So let's look at Fox News and MSNBC. Now, we would all agree that Fox News reports on news in politics through a conservative lens, and we would all agree that MSNBC reports on news and politics through a liberal lens. Right. Now, mm-hmm. they also say, well, we're fair and balanced, and we're reporting on news, when in fact everyone knows that they have a bias. And I think part of the reason there's a distrust of the media is that someone says, hey, I'm fair and balanced news, but everyone knows they're not. And so that negatively impacts the brand where I always say, well, maybe they ought to just rebrand themselves as an entertainment channel and say, hey, we can tell cool stories about the world. And you know darn well it's going to be with a, with a liberal bias or conservative, depending on the channel. Mm-hmm. And that, that effort of saying, hey, this is not... Uh, this is not uh, Fox News. This is Fox Entertainment, and you're just coming mm-hmm. here because you're a conservative and you enjoy you enjoy seeing and listening to Sean Hannity rip on Obama. You just get entertainment by that because you're mm-hmm. a conservative, or vice versa. You love seeing the MSM people, you know, rail against uh, Trump. Whatever right. whatever your position is. Now, if you if if they were in fact to rebrand themselves as an entertainment channel. Would that help them, Bruce? What's your opinion? I mean, would would people say, okay, well, that's that's what they really are, and so now I'm going to enjoy them, and I'm not going to distrust them because, frankly, now I just know it's entertainment. Or does that is that further hurt? I'm just curious as to your thoughts on that. I've been wanting to ask you that question for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> you you always ask me very tough questions on air, Todd, but that's okay. You know what? The component that hasn't come into this discussion right now is the the role of the user-generated mm. impact. Who is watching Fox? Who is watching MSNBC? What do they want to get from those two news services? And I think if you if you rebrand as one of those entities into a entertainment channel as opposed to a news channel you lose your you lose your audience <laughs> that's yeah. what happens so the point is that different people have different attitudes about the definition of the brand you know one one conservative group will say fox news is great and i love it because of x y and z liberals will say i hate it because they do this and say that it's not true it's fake etc cetera, etc cetera. and this is the world that we live in. Now, the, the best way one could work with this strategically is to be upfront with your with the people listening and say, okay, we are a, as Fox News, for example, a conservative news outlet, and we're going to give you our opinion, which will lean over in that direction. At the same time, we think we have something to offer to you liberals as a way to reconsider, rethink what you're listening to on MSNBC as a check and balance, if you will. Wouldn't you as a person listening like to be able to consider yourself as an intelligent citizen who is broad in his or her thinking? 
and go ahead and listen to MSNBC, but turn on Fox on occasion just to get another version of the story. That would be my strategic advice to those companies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, brilliant stuff. So we've been, I've been teasing that we were going to get into strategy, so I want to do that because I, I really do believe that most people engage in what they would define as a branding strategy or branding exercise uh, and or rebrand of whatever the entity we're talking about here. Let's assume that most of the time people listening to the show are thinking of it in terms of an organization, mm-hmm. that they go into it thinking that it's a color palette change and it's a new logo and it's a new tagline and it's updating the mission statement and they publish it and boom, check it off the list, put the leather binder on the shelf and boom, they move on and do the same old thing, <laughs> the same lousy right. product, the same lousy customer service, but a new color. Uh, so they think they've rebranded. Why are, are most organizations so bad at, de- at developing and then, more importantly, executing on a strategy behind all this? Well, how do we how do we begin to to get our heads around that? I, I still think most people, if you ask them, define strategy, you would get 10 different answers if you ask 10 people. I don't think they know what strategy well, is. Mm-hmm. Well, I, if you talk about a corporation, I think uh, most corporations are in the business of keeping Wall Street analysts happy with what they're doing and getting positive assessments by the analysts. And, uh, you know, take a Macy's, for example, that's been hurting, or, or even a more recent case of Barnes & Noble firing many different people because their, their company's not doing well. So the point is, how, how do you go about getting the message across to people that your, your company is uh, succeeding or not succeeding? And I think it's just, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, there is no easy answer, I think, to, to the scenario that you're, that you're posing. Well, but your point is valid in terms of a broader, more comprehensive strategy is that if you are, say, a public company, that you do have several constituencies in which you have to push the brand to. You have to have your actual customer base, the people that are buying your product. But yeah, right. you do have to position yourselves to these business analysts because they have a real influence on right. the perception. So, right. So you have the stakeholders. And, and you know, I think, the, I think it's a test market environment that we live in today. You know, what we refer to in marketing as a test market, you put out a new product, you put out a new brand, a new logo, a new tagline, and, you know, you you see if it works or not. See, that's the world we live in today, Todd, that it's so easy to get your message out there and evaluate it instantaneously Mm. uh, through feedback on Facebook or on your website, thumbs up, thumbs down, like, dislike. You just you just try what what you want to try. Give it a shot, and you really can't change the organization. I mean, Macy's is Macy's, Target is Target, but they could change uh, various other facets of their of their corporation that are less permanent in the you know with respect to a brand or a a logo and a color, a design. See if it works. It's not a bad idea, but the point is that it, it's difficult. It's very difficult to alter the the ingrained perception of a brand of any entity that's been around for a long time. It's it's difficult to do that. Uh, depending on the the area that you're in, as I said before, uh, corporations tougher to alter quickly but a political organization is changing and they're going to be changing we we both like to talk about politics what we know is the republican party and democratic party today is going to evolve into a whole different entity coalition of uh, people and groups 
if four, eight, 12 years from now, it's going to be very different. And I say that's because of what happened with Donald Trump. He's, he's redefined the ability of a, of a brand within an organization, which is what a politician is, and the effect that that individual brand has on the organization. That's what we're seeing happen today with the Republican Party. But isn't that the point, though, with the, in terms of a comprehensive strategy, is that you have to factor in constant evolution, right? And and I guess there's value. I guess it depends on what you do in terms of a product or a service. But but the decision is, all right, how much am I, how much of this am I reacting to the marketplace, or how much am I driving? This, the attitudes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. if you and I through this whole conversation have have we done a disservice to an organization, say like Macy's, for instance, listening, saying, oh, "Wait a minute, isn't it all about good customer service and a and a killer product that that word spreads around?" I mean, isn't that what a brand really is? Is, is a good uh, you know that user generated branding? Isn't it all about a, a good experience with an organization, which then feeds? positive vibe on, on a brand that people then talk about and share on social media and mm-hmm. to their friends over the, the water cooler. I mean, or is it, I mean, I think, I think too many organizations are worried about what Wall Street thinks and not what their customer thinks. Well, I, I think, uh, I would put it a slightly different way. I think uh, the focus for some entities that we talk about has to be, how, how can you take the best practices that work for a product and use it for a service-oriented company. And how can you then take the best practices of both product and service-oriented companies and use it for person branding? And how can you use it for an organization's branding? How does a non-profit organization, for example, we have a lot of stories about nonprofits that try to take the commercial branding strategies that have been used time and time again, and, and the conclusion is that it doesn't always work to just make that that direct leap from commercial to to nonprofit for a charity because you're trying to get money from people but for a charity you have to build up the association in people's minds that they have about your company your brand if you will and then how do you leap forward to a to a nation so you know you you take the the case of a nation branding that that's that is going to have to account for the best practices of, of the nation from all of these different angles. What what kind of products do they put out? What kind of services are they engaged in? Who are the people running running the different organizations within the nation? Who's the leader of the nation? And then go a step further, more complex to this uh, debate on climate change. How does one go about branding, creating a brand for climate change? And and I would say it, it's not that every company's in the business of trying to have the best product with the best service. I say every company, every organization, every individual should be in the business of understanding how they could take the best practices that we put forward in the book across the different uh, six entities. How could they leverage their position, use the conclusions that the experts have have come to, which is what we report on the book. We report on studies that were done, not just academic, but practical studies uh, put out by associations that say this works when it comes to product branding and this works when it comes to service branding and it's different for nonprofit and it's different for for an, for a nation this this is the real message of our book and how do you take into account the three c's 
How does that focus change the uh, understanding of your customer, your channel, and your competition, which we integrate into each of the different chapters on the entities? No, it's important to understand with this book, uh, as I understand it, Bruce, is that you do share a lot of best practices, which is why most people are going to buy us, because they're going to understand what those are and figure out how to integrate them into their own strategy. But you you do look at it from two different components. There is the more traditional uh, elements of branding, and then there's mm-hmm. the less traditional, uh, and that's certainly the, you know the, these various entities that we've been talking about certainly factor in there. Any other thoughts about how in the book you present these various best practices? Well, I I, I would say the uh, I, I think one of the most important points that we make in the book, and it's it's part of the future of branding, is that every organization has to have a portfolio of brands. Uh, whether you're talking about climate change or you're talking about Coca-Cola, you have to have a portfolio, just like someone would have a, a portfolio of stocks in their investments that can ebb and flow with the changes in the environment. You know, how does an organization position themselves and their ideas so that it doesn't throw the brand of the of the organization? off in one direction or the other, almost, if you will, like a vessel sailing in the water. You know, how does one keep that vessel uh, moving in, in, a, in a secure manner through the water when you have all these, these silos of information through social media coming in, you know, put, creating waves, if you will, for that vessel? How, how do you go about actually keeping your brand consistent in the mind of the different entities or the different audiences, the stakeholders, the customers, your competition. How do you keep your brand consistent in their minds? And that's, I think, the real major contribution of the book. And that gets down to the nitty-gritty that we talk about in all the different chapters in the book. Fascinating to think about that in in terms of a portfolio. It's, if I'm, if I'm, Correct. It was like what we talked about earlier that you have a different story to tell to, you know, the the business analyst on Wall Street versus your your direct customer. But it's it's got to be consistent and tied in together. But it's a different narrative. It's and it's a different way to present it and a different way to reach it. Right. That's precisely. That's very very well put. And there has to be a common thread in the message that you send to the different stakeholders. And and that that is the we we think of brand as the linchpin, if you will, that connects within a company the portfolio of all of the different products and services that they sell, and in a sense, on a broader theoretical level, if you will, brand is a nice linchpin to connect all the different disciplines that study strategy, whether. Uh, you're in the area of business policy or advertising or communication or marketing, brand becomes a strategic linchpin that is at the center of all organizations because back to the point you made before, every company, every organization, every person, every nation wants to succeed. And the way you succeed is to have a clear, consistent, well-defined, brand in the minds of many different people getting many different messages (laughs) back to my point on a moment-to-moment day-to-day week-to-week month-to-month basis 
Gosh, you, you touched on an element there that we haven't even had time to get into. And in, in terms of, I mean, the context of our conversation today has been your brand as it's observed externally to an organization. There's a lot of branding work that has to be done internally. And I mean, that's all, and that's what we talked about earlier, that every almost every element out there, dog, individual has a brand. And that's why that's important to you. Yeah, you may be one employee out of a thousand in a large corporation, but a strong personal brand impacts your ability to affect change within that organization, right? I mean, so it all ties together. Absolutely. Great stuff. All right. Well, Bruce, sadly, we're about out of time. Uh, before we let you go, should anyone uh, have questions on any of this, uh, how do they connect with you personally? And then most importantly, where will they get their hands on a copy of the book, Brand? Well, personally, they can uh, send me an email at B-N-E-W-M-A-N, B Newman at DePaul, D-E-P-A-U-L dot uh, E-D-U. If they want to order the book, the best place to go is to the publishing company. And the uh, email address to buy the book would be at orders, O-R-D-E-R-S, at kendallhunt.com. That's the publishing company, spelled K-E-N-D-A-L-L-H-U-N-T dot C-O-M. And I speak for both myself and my son, Todd, who's the co-author on this book. All right. Bruce Newman, a professor of marketing at DePaul University and the author of several books, including the new one called Brand. Bruce, my friend, as always, scintillating conversation. Appreciate you stopping by and making time. Same here, Todd. Thanks for the invitation. Always appreciate it. Okay. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today, my friends. Thank you for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you again next time on Intrepid Business. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to IntrepidMailingList.com. That's IntrepidMailingList.com and sign up. You can also find us at Intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.